on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the fourth edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we help your women's footy club get more local press with some handy tips from leader newspaper's sports journalist Tim Mitchell. We find out what's happening in women's footy in New South Wales on the ACT with Libby Sadler. It's been a busy pre-season for VWFL Premier Division club Diamond Creek and we catch up with their president Laura Attard and Olivia Crow puts the call out for more girls in Melbourne southern suburbs to play footy. All that and more coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for joining us on our fourth podcast. And a big shout-out to the crew at girlsplayfooty.com for hosting this podcast and for also hosting Girls Play Footy Radio and App. Now, I know what you're thinking. Girls Play Footy Radio and App? More details coming up on girlsplayfooty.com during the coming days. Keep your eyes peeled. And also, I want to give a quick little shout-out as well to those that have liked our previous podcast and also uh, made some comments. Hello to Meg Ballantyne, Renee Shah, Michelle Haynes, David Burke, Jane Ransfield, Steph Walding, Georgia Taylor, Simon Berry, uh, Carly Byrne, Shasha Doherty, a comment from Danelle Sullivan, and, of course, many more. Thank you very much for your support. And also uh, to the crew at Change Her Game, who sent us a very nice little tweet during the week. Now to a very important interview for women's footy clubs. You're all looking to get more media exposure, not obviously just on girlsplayfooty.com, of course, but one of the most important things you're trying to do is get into the local newspaper because it's seen by local people, so you might get local footballers wanting to sign up to play for your club. You might have uh, local people coming along to watch your game or, of course, local businesses wanting to sponsor your footy club. And like I said, you've got to be in the local newspaper and seen. So how do you do it when you're fighting against men's footy clubs, junior footy clubs and various other winter sports for those vital column inches? The first trick is knowing the deadlines to pitch your story and knowing exactly what information you should be giving a sports journalist. And that's why we've got on the line from leader newspapers, a sports journalist who looks after the uh, northwestern Melbourne suburbs and also helps look after leader local footies Facebook and Twitter and his name is Tim Mitchell. Now Tim just to give an insight to uh, everyone listening what is a typical working week like for you a sports journalist with a local weekly newspaper? Generally a sports reporters week uh, is it runs we're normally fairly flexible but runs from sort of a Sunday to a Thursday that we work so we often get people trying to get in touch with us just before events on the weekend and and they miss us because they try and give us a call on on a Friday or even on a Saturday when they've got an event happening but uh, you will see us from time to time out at games on a Saturday as well covering the men's football but uh, Sunday is a a very busy day in the leader office Uh, we've got a lot of our western papers that are produced on a Sunday Uh, and you've also got our our Whittlesea paper that uh, the deadlines on a, on a Sunday and then for a club like Darabin Falcons obviously hugely successful on the women's side of things uh, our, our deadline for that Preston paper is also on a Sunday as well and uh, then the Monday uh, we've also got plenty of papers uh, that, that go you sort of Mooney Valleys and uh, I think Brimbank's another paper that's produced on a Monday as well Northcote uh, yeah, there's probably actually sort of eight to ten papers that come out on that Monday as well. So Sunday and Monday are certainly the busy days. Um, and, and, and obviously, uh, yeah, that means that sometimes games that are played on a Sunday we, we miss because of deadlines. But then again, at the same time, we're always trying to find different ways, I guess, to cover those teams that might have played the Sunday before and still make the news timely at the same time to continue to give them exposure as well. Uh, for example, those that, that do have a paper going out uh, on the Monday, so it gives you a little bit more time. Uh, what deadlines are 
clubs looking at when they need to get scores to you. And and for yourself as a journal, what kind of basic information do you need to not only just make it a score, but to at least make it a paragraph or two to make it stand out about their club? Yeah, um, well, obviously it's always a case of, of the sooner the better if you've got a team, team playing in the middle of the day on a Sunday and uh, they're able to get um, even the basic scores, the goal kickers, the scores from sort of each quarter and, and also their best players to us by... Uh, sort of roughly 5 or 6 p.m. on a Sunday night when we're at least generally in the office too. That means that uh, we're aware of the scores. Certainly we can try and factor in some space for them in in the Monday papers. Uh, And then if it's a case, as I mentioned, that uh, we do happen to miss uh, deadline for a Sunday paper, if if it's, say, our Whittlesea paper or that our Preston paper goes before they're able to get the scores to us, uh, coming to us with story ideas, say whether it's a feature on a player or feature on a volunteer that might have been around the club for a long period of time or even on, on it might be a member of the coaching staff as well is uh, sort of a different way that we're able to give a team um, some exposure that's not necessarily timely based on the scores but uh, certainly still gives the club or gives an insight to what's going on down at the club and, and we can mention the scores from the past couple of weeks that um, yeah might have been missed just because of deadlines and that sort of thing as well so there is a couple of ways that, yeah, clubs can try and get things to us, uh, be it in a timely manner to get something in that week's paper or sort of have a more broader look at, at the club and, and not necessarily uh, get something to us based purely on deadline as well. So there's a couple of ways there that, yeah, clubs can, can look to get coverage, whether it's, uh, yeah, based for, for that week's paper if they're desperate to get something in or, or over a couple of we- uh, a period of time that, that covers a couple of weeks. And and also as well, I mean, we, we think about that we've got the women's draft game coming up, so obviously that will be quite news. Where there's obviously the traditional milestone game, someone plays 200 games, 250 games, whatever that might be. Um, how important is it to try and, I guess, pre-pitch a couple of weeks in advance? Does that give an advantage? Uh, absolutely, yeah. If you know you've got a, got a milestone coming up and, and say a women's player, I know, for instance, uh, we covered uh, Debbie... Debbie Lee's milestone and then sort of the end of her career pretty extensively because we're aware of that um, and obviously she's sort of synonymous with it with the women's game as well but uh, that was something that the club came to us about a couple of weeks out and, and we could factor in some space as well so so knowing that uh, you've got an event coming up in a couple of weeks time is, is uh, yeah obviously very important to us because it means that we can then go to sort of the, the pre-publication team that put together our newspapers and say look we uh, not only do we have our usual Northern Football League and, and not only do we have sort of cricket finals beat as well or, or have we had say a coaching change in the cricket after the season's up but yeah, we've also got this uh, milestone happening at say the Kyneton Football Club which has just come into the women's game or um, yeah, they're playing their first game this weekend and we'd love to give them some coverage as well and, and they let us know about this sort of three or four weeks ago um, so can we please get that extra bit of space to factor in as well and generally if, if you do give us at least seven days notice uh, sometimes a couple of weeks notice we can put it in the diary uh, look to give it some coverage and, and obviously there's no guarantees because it all comes down to space but certainly the more time you can give um, sort of a journalist or a newspaper to sort of craft their story and, and contact who they need to uh, the better chance you are of, of getting some exposure in, in your local paper. And how important is it also to, I guess, look outside the box and not just think about sport itself, where the clubs are doing something within the community, I guess, to try and see if they can get column inches in the other part of the newspaper, in the more general news section? 
Yeah, no, that, that, that's probably a great way to get some coverage because uh, you will notice if you're picking up your, your leader paper that the sport pages do fluctuate. Sometimes you'll see uh, sort of one page of sport in your paper. In bigger weeks, you might see three or four as well. In, in those bigger weeks, you're a good chance of getting some coverage in the sport. In the smaller weeks, obviously, it becomes difficult to give centimetre space to even, I guess, uh, uh, some, of, some of, I guess, the more well-known clubs in the area. So we might have to look at... Uh, as you say, alternatives to that, which um, often if, if a club is, say, doing some sort of fundraising drive or they're, they're looking at, um, yeah, as you say, different sort of community events taking place, um, there's normally a lot more, uh, I guess, uh, centimetre space and page space up in the news section of our newspaper. So that's something just, just on a similar deadline that if you let them know a couple of weeks ahead of an event, uh, it normally gives a chance to set up a photo down at the club, chat to the relevant people involved, and it gives you every chance of getting something in the news as well. And certainly um, in all our papers, there's obviously uh, yeah, more page space in, in news than sport, and um, you normally get uh, sort of just a, just a stronger run. And, and you will notice with a lot of our papers as well that... Um, it is becoming rarer that a uh, story runs on the front page of the paper. It has to be sort of something fairly significant that's happened to get a story on the front. But then again, if, if you can come up with uh, a good picture idea and work with our photographers to really make that work, then you have every chance of getting some uh, some of the faces that, I guess, make your club tick on the front page of the paper, which is always a thrill for people to see that as well. Now, of course, we've been talking about the traditional newspaper, but I guess we shouldn't be limited to that. Obviously, you have other avenues there at leading newspapers where you've got now the local footy portal. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of um, that, That's something that we've really ramped up in the past 12 or 18 months. So we've got yeah, local footballs on uh, on Facebook. So you can find that by searching uh, Leader Local Footy. We've recently introduced Instagram as well, uh, which uh, Chris Cavanagh, as I've already mentioned, one of my colleagues, uh, sort of looks after that arm of things and does, does a great job with the Instagram and, and Local Footy also on Twitter as well. So uh, different ways, obviously, to get your club out there. I know that uh, a lot of clubs are becoming more active with uh, with the social media side of things, and I think some of the clubs that are proactive with uh, sort of posting recruits, recruiting news on their Facebook page and also on their Twitter have got some really good coverage over the off-season. It certainly doesn't hurt to tag um, at local footy in any tweets that your club might be putting out there if you do have a, a Twitter account or um, even messaging us on the local footy page if you do have some uh, some local news uh, sort of happening at, at your club as well. So there are a couple of just other ways to get in touch with us, uh, whether it's that we're able to give it some exposure on social media or whether it then becomes a news tip that's turned into a story in the paper. Um, obviously that, that remains to be seen, but uh, another way to get in touch with us and I would encourage any clubs that are thinking about getting on Twitter or getting on Facebook to try and use it as proactively as you can because obviously it's another way to, to get your messages out there to your members and, and to try and get yourselves um, that all-important exposure that we're talking about as well. And finally, before we go, and it seems like a no-brainer, I'd guess, how is important for clubs to have that one, one point of call for the media and for that person to be actively talking with their local journalists? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that, that's pretty key, um, and not not just one. Probably uh, two or three contacts are normally what we're looking for at a club, just in case it happens to be on a tight deadline on a Sunday or a Monday that we need to get in touch with someone from that club and say a coach is uh, out out of action and, and can't be spoken to. But you can get in touch with a president, or there is uh, an assistant coach or someone else there as well. Uh, if a club's able to provide. Um, their local newspaper with yeah two or three probably key contacts that they can go to and are always happy to have a chat and, and accessible to the media. And we're normally only looking for, uh, unless unless it's a big story and there's a lot of questions to be asked, we're normally looking for about three or four, maybe five minutes of your time just to have a quick chat and get the crux of the story. Uh, 
So if, if there's a few people around the club that are happy to be that person, uh, it certainly helps our job and, and gives you every chance of, of getting some space in, in the newspaper and, and getting a club out there. And we thank Tim Mitchell from Leader Newspapers for his time. And don't forget, if you've got a story about your club or you've just got some scores, to post it on the Leader Local Footy Facebook page or if you're tweeting it, to include at local footy, so they're aware of it. Let's head across the border now to New South Wales and the ACT, where there are four senior women's competitions. Canberra, Sydney, Broken Hill, and joining them this year, the Hunter and Central Coast region with the Black Diamond Women's AFL. And that's why I'm joined on the line by the female football programs manager for AFL New South Wales ACT in Libby Sadler. Now, Libby, we're entering the third year of AFL women's exhibition matches with this promotion of elite women's football. How's this helped the skills and, I guess, number of players develop within your state? Look, to be honest, it's certainly it's increased the visibility of, of female football, not only across the country, but certainly in New South Wales ACT, where it's not everyone's first choice of sport. And for those who have seen that and gone, I want that, it absolutely improves their, their motivation and their drive to achieve and, and to want to be selected in either one of those clubs or any future clubs that might come on board. Now, uh, under the banner of AFL New South Wales ACT, you've got a few leagues. Let's look at the, the, the two big ones to start with, uh, Sydney and, and Canberra. Um, is there a difference in the standard between these competitions, considering that I guess Canberra comes from more traditional AFL roots, where Sydney has been traditionally a rugby league territory? Um, good question. I, th- I think, in all honesty, they're almost on they're almost on par in terms of their their talent development. Obviously. Sydney has the luxury of being significantly bigger than Canberra and being able to draw from the wider population. But as you mentioned, Canberra does have a bit more of a traditional heartland and with the the Wagga girls who drive into Canberra every second week um, and then home again certainly have that solid link to a very strong Riverina sort of background. So in all, I reckon they're they're relatively close, um, but both have their sort of their, their slight differences. Well, I guess we'll get to see the difference between them sooner or later because um, the Sydney and Canberra uh, leagues will be playing representative matches against each other, I believe, twice this year. Um, who are the coaches that you've appointed for those respective sides? Yep. The coach for the AFL Canberra team will be Beck Goddard. Beck is currently involved with coaching at a NEFL level in Canberra um, and has an exceptional background and is very passionate about a women's footy. And then the AFL Sydney rep side will be, um, has two coaches, Simon Berry, who coaches our Gosford Women's and was assistant coach last year, and a young guy by the name of Stuart Newman who will bring a new fresh face to, uh, to female footy in Sydney. Now, AFL Victoria have announced that a second Victorian side will be playing the New South Wales state side on the Queen's birthday weekend. Now, uh, has a date or time and location been confirmed for this game? And uh, how do you fancy your chances going up against the Vicks? Look, I'm really excited to see the girls go up against the Vicks. We'll be sending out a combined New South Wales ACT team at the women's level for that, which will be the first time we've sent the combined team. So between the there's 27 teams across those two leagues, so the talent that will sort of come out of the combined program I think will be really, really good um, and give, certainly give them an opportunity to see where they are against the, nation, the nation's leaders um, in women's footy. So... Look, I think it's been a great experience for the girls. They're really excited um, and really pumped to have that opportunity. It will be, this, I believe, the Sunday of the long weekend in Melbourne. Um, so there'll be a sort of a full festival of footy down there for them to, 
maximise that opportunity. And the draft for the AFL Women's Exhibition matches um, isn't too far away. Um, at AFL New South Wales ACT, uh, have you tried to set a target or a KPI about how many players you'd like to see get drafted? Look, obviously we'd love to see as many as possible get drafted. There isn't a set a set target per se. Um, they know there are, there are a couple of girls that the clubs are keen to have a look at and, and see what they can do and sort of to help support their desire to be drafted and, and promote them. We're taking half a dozen girls down to Victoria this week to uh, participate in the Victorian draft game just to really sort of show where their skills are against, you know, many of the girls who played in these teams beforehand and just sort of to see where our best talent sits in the scheme of things. So we're really hoping at least a couple of those girls get picked up this year. Now, in that we've been focusing a lot on the stronger leagues, the Canberra and Sydney leagues under your banner, but there's two other leagues as well. There's uh, Broken Hill, and I believe this year there's been a newly formed uh, Black Diamond Women's League around the Newcastle area. Um, Can you tell us a bit of the background of these two competitions? Certainly. Black Diamond and the the Central Coast Hunter region, which is just north of Sydney, has been a great success story for us over the last couple of years. There's a couple of youth girls competitions set up, and then to complete that pathway, the new Black Diamond Women's League will start this year. We've got six clubs with quite to six teams who've jumped on board in the first year in that competition and a really highly motivated region looking to achieve great things. And that Broken Hill is um, AFL Heartland as far as New South Wales goes. Um, and they've been going now for this will be their fourth season in the women's comp um, with the four teams across the four clubs down there, both doing really exciting things and, and growing quite rapidly. Now, finally, you know the Sydney League uh, fairly well. Uh, for you, who are the standout players to look out for this year and, and who's your tip for the Division 1 and Division 2 flags, respectively? They're tough, that's a tough question. I um, preempted this one with a, with a couple of people in the office and, and floated it around. Div 1, look, I couldn't put a team to it in Div 1. I think it's going to be a really tough contest. Um, some really hard work being done by a lot of our clubs to try and beat the last two years Sydney Uni have won it and I know there's a lot of people up there looking forward to trying to knock them off the top of the perch and, and I certainly know they want to keep keep that Div 1 position Div 2, the office favourite for Div 2 at the moment seems to be Penrith who've played some really strong, great footy since their, um, their limited time in the comp but potentially two year, second year in Manly might be a bit of a dark horse in that race. And then players to watch. There's so many of them coming through, but a couple of young guns in the likes of uh, last year's Div 1 Best and Ferris, Steph Walker, the previous year's Best and Ferris, Maddie Collier, and a young youth girl, Rebecca Beeson, will certainly be key um, young players to watch as they come through the league. And we thank Libby for her time and we look forward to catching up with her more often throughout season 2015 to find out what's happening in women's footy in New South Wales and the ACT. Time to come back to Victoria now in the Victorian Women's Football League Premier Division. Diamond Creek, they've been the bridesmaid the last couple of years to Darabin and they're trying to shake that off and go one step further. They've had a big pre-season and that's why we've got on the line their president in Laura Attard. Uh, Laura, first of all, a uh, changing of the baton. Grant Barton, who won you your Premier Division title back in 2012, now being replaced by a new but experienced coach 
in Brad Liederman. Yeah, look, it's fantastic to have Brad come on board. Obviously, Grant was with us for a little while and we had a, a fair bit of success with him and, and getting our first Premier Division um, Premiership a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, Brad comes to us with a, a wealth of experience from the Oakley Chargers in a development role that he had there. So um, really excited to have him on board. Ten years in experience, in fact, at the Oakley Chargers. And, and how did that process begin to you landing Brad? Well, actually, Steph um, Chiocci, um knew of Brad uh, and knew that he had decided to, to step away from coaching um, last year, actually. So he, he took a year off because um, obviously he's been in the in the industry for a little while and, and decided to take some time out for his family. And, um, yeah, she ended up just chasing him up, actually, and we got him down for an interview. And he was really impressed with the way that we go about our footy and and wanted to try something new and coming from a development perspective um he thought it was you know he had a lot to offer us so yeah that's how we got him well there's been a lot happening during the pre-season at the creekers uh first of all let's talk about your recruitment to try and get some uh, new blood into the club um first of all how did your rmit o week go look really well i mean we had a lot of interest at the city campus um which was fantastic Unfortunately, I uh, didn't get down to the, the Bundura campus um, on time. But, but look, we've had, uh, you know, 10 or so girls come from Bundura already. Um, and, you know, a couple more have come to the Bring a Friend Night as well through just, you know, the advertisement that we've got through the university. But, um, you know, it's really exciting. We've got a, a great partnership with RMIT, um, in particular the girls that, that participate in the university games. And, you know, we've... we've really recruited well through them and you know Christina Bernardi who was one of our best on players a couple of years ago um, came down from RMIT and our, our current reserves coach is actually an RMIT graduate as well so um, fantastic partnership and we're hoping to see many more come through this year. Uh, when you have those bring a friend nights uh, how many do you generally get along and what's the retention like of getting those to keep coming back to training sessions and hopefully pull on the boots in a match? Yeah, look, I mean, it's an, it's an intimidating thing to come down to the footy club, I think. Um, you know, the girls, uh, you know, particularly the last few years when we've developed so much as a team and, and the skills and everything like that, the new girls coming down feel a little bit intimidated. But, look, we had great numbers come down this year and, and we've actually had, I think, four or five register already um, and a couple more have, have uh, sent, sent back a couple of emails saying that they're interested in coming down. So, um, look... Hopefully we'll get them get them down and playing, and even if they play a couple of games, and then we can recruit them through the season. Let's have a look at uh, some of your transfers that have uh, that have been happening. You've lost two players to St Albans and two to Montmorency just nearby. On the flip side, you've gained some girls through the youth girls. You picked up a girl from Whitehorse and Olivia um, Getson, and you also picked up one from Sydney in uh, Layla Wayser. If I'm correct in saying that. Yeah, Lila. Lila actually played with us a couple of years back um, and moved to Sydney. Um, her fiancé was was uh, sort of trying to get into umpiring up there. So so they, they made the move a couple of years back. But, uh, no, it's great to have Lila back, and, and she's looking really good and really fit this year. So, um, you know, she was a Resi's player a couple of years ago when she was with us, but um, hopefully she'll be pushing, pushing into the seniors this year. Um, but, you know, some of the girls that we've got coming up from our youth girls are just really exciting. Um, Ali... Ali Koika, for example, who was the captain of our under-18s team last year, she won the NFL Best and Fairest as well um, and our, our club Best and Fairest as well for the under-18s. And she's really exciting and we can't wait to have her come up. She played in the Vic Country Metro team as well last year too. So uh, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on her for sure. 
And it's safe to say there's a bit of a uh, rivalry building up in the neighbourhood, of course. Your traditional rivals have always been uh, Darabin, but a, a club nearby that had one side last year, now have got two sides, is Montmorency, and, and they're slowly creeping up. They are. Look, they've, they've got a fantastic junior base there, and um, I guess that's the thing that makes it a little bit easier with having an affiliation with the boys' uh, club. Uh, you know, being a standalone female club, just, just the way that Darabin are, it, it can be challenging at times. But, look, I mean, we're, we're, we're really excited about the way our junior club is, is expanding. We've got um, a junior subcommittee this year, which is the first year that we're doing that. And we've got Scott Chisholm, who is the under-12s coach. He's jumped on board as the junior vice president. So, you know, this year we're looking at um, implementing uh, under-18s, under-15s, under-12s, and the NFL looking at running an under-10s competition as well. So we'll field a team in, in every one of those age groups, which we're really excited about. So, um, you know, uh, whilst there are there is the competition within the region, uh, I think, you know, we're, we're still advertising ourselves as well as we can and, and making those partnerships with RMIT and, um, you know, Jets, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it's, it's helping us to grow as well within the community. Yeah, well, let's talk about Jets. Uh, it, it seems that uh, after the AFL exhibition uh, matches and the increased exposure of the VWFL, the number of the mm-hmm. Premier Division side have been picking up some sponsors. Uh, I know St Kilda Sharks have picked up some new sponsors, so have Melbourne Uni and Darabin, and yourselves managing to get Jets on board as a major sponsor. How did that come about? Well, look, one of our girls that's come down from Queensland and is, is actually um, in the draft this year, Tiana, uh, she um, she had a connection with Jets. They sponsored her as a player sponsor last year. And, you know, she had a really good um, partnership with them and, and she's still doing PT down there. And with the girls obviously wanting to push themselves and, you know, the, the bit of a heartache from the last year, grand final losses that we've had we we really want to push ourselves as a team and so we felt like it was a good fit and we approached them about it and um you know it's a really good initiative and they're they're running some boot camp sessions with us throughout pre-season and and they're giving us really good um offers in terms of our membership for not only players but also members of the club and family and friends so look it's it's worked really well for us and we're really happy to have them on board for the next three years we think that you know, they're, they're only going to help us grow our, our club name as well. So, um, you know, we'll be sporting them on the back of our jumpers for the next three years, which is, I think, just a great thing for female football. You alluded to uh, uh, Tiana Ernst playing in the um, draft game because uh, she's put herself forward for the uh, AFL Women's Draft. Steph Chonchi, of course, is automatically selected for the Western Bulldogs by coach Craig Starsevich. Who are some of the other girls that are looking at putting their hand up in the draft game to try and be selected by either the Bulldogs or the Demons? Well, look, Katie Loins is a really exciting one coming back from her ACL reconstruction a couple of years ago. So, you know, she played for, I think it was the Bulldogs um, a couple of years back and was obviously delisted because of her injury. So, look, she's looking fantastic on the track at the moment. So she'll be pushing hard. Um, but, you know, we've got Lisa Williams as well, who has come, come from a netball background and, and really just come, come on, on in leaps and bounds in the last couple of years and plays a really pivotal role across the halfback flank. So, you know, she'll be pushing hard for selection. Um, and, and Loz Moorcroft, who, who was delisted from the Bulldogs, you know, she's a great backman. She reads the play really well. She's really strong above head as well. So she'll be pushing for a selection as well. Uh, talking about one of your other backline players that's been on the injury list, uh, Tanya Hetherington. I believe she might have gone in for some type of hitch surgery. Yeah, look, she has. Um, you know, it was a decision that she made. She could either play through some of the issues that she's got or, or go in and get it worked on. And she decided to go in and get it done. Um, and, and I think it's a smart move by her. Um, you know, she's a, fan, she's a fantastic player for us and has been for 
for the last few years. Um, I think she's won maybe three or four captain's awards um, since being at Diamond Creek. So, um, you know, a real leader on the field and, and she wants to try and keep playing. So rather than try and push through an injury, which is potentially only going to get worse, um, she decided to go in and, and we're hoping that she'll be back throughout the season. So already she's recovered from that surgery really well and, and she's, you know, into her physio already. So that's a really good sign for us. You're one step away from being Premiers. The heartaches come for the last couple of years against the Falcons. What has Brad so far identified that he thinks that you can improve on to hopefully get your hands on the cup? Look, I think it's going to be our ball movement. Um, you know, it's something that Darabin does so well. They they control the, the ball and, as they like to say, they use their tempo-style football and, and they have, you know, fantastic skills. So um, it's it's definitely our ball movement. We're looking at fast movement um, and, you know, just trying to improve the skill level of our girls across across um, the whole team and, and really, you know, across the reserves as well. We're, we've been training as one big unit and, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to prove to be pretty effective. Um, with our youth girls coming up, I think it, that's that's inputted some youth into the the reserves team as well, which is going to uh, boost the competition to get into the seniors. But, um, you know, it's just that skill level and, and just a little bit more game sense and understanding of the game. And Brad coming from a development side of the game as well has really helped the girls with their understanding um you know we're, we've always been known i think as as really hard hardball getters um you know we've got the shay audleys and the millie bardens who are really willing to get under the packs um so we just want to make sure that when we're winning the ball we're using it properly now and just before we let you go uh, i believe you had the crew from change her game down filming one of the recent training sessions at plenty park yeah, we did. Look, that was fantastic. They did a they did a really good job, and they spoke to Steph, and I think they spoke to Steph's dad as well. And um, yeah, I mean, they had some wonderful things to say about about what they had to see on the day as well. So, um, you know, I think it's a it's a great advertisement of female football, and and you know, it, there's so many things and initiatives out there at the moment, just um, expanding the game, which is great to see. And we thank Laura very much for her time, and wish the Creekers all the best in 2015. Now, before we get into our next interview, there. They've just had the draft trials in South Australia and some of the players you should be keeping an eye on, according to AFL Kicks for Chicks Facebook page, they reckon Nicole Mark, Georgia Bevan, Courtney Crammy and Sarah Allen. All those details are on the AFL Kicks for Chicks Facebook page and a reminder of course that uh, if you're involved in South Australian women's footy and you want to give us the lowdown on what's happening across there, feel free to send us an email girlsplayfootyradio at gmail.com that's girlsplayfootyradio at gmail.com or post something on our Girls Play Footy Facebook page more than welcome to have uh, your point of view and insights now staying in Victoria moving to southern metropolitan Melbourne the call has gone out for more junior girls to play footy it's not a traditionally strong area if you look at the terms of I guess Premierships. If you look at uh, Premier Division, Victorian Women's Football League, it's it's always been Darabin, Diamond Creeks, and Albans, even the Scorpions of East Brunswick and Broad Meadows in years gone by, all in the northern and western suburbs. That success really hasn't come through yet in the southern suburbs. And it all starts at junior level and getting more players. And that's why I've got on the line Olivia Crow. Now, she's from the Southern Metropolitan Junior Football League, which covers from as far as Port Melbourne, across to Waverley, all the way down to uh, Morty Alex. So they cover a pretty big area. And 
and she's on the call for more junior girls to play footy. Now, before we do that, Olivia, I know you're an Eastern Devils footballer, and rumour around the traps is you're hanging your boots up for season 2015. Yes, that is correct. I'm uh, not playing this year, so, um, yeah, unfortunately my new job at the league is uh, preventing me from playing, so it'll be nice to give the body a rest, but at the meantime I'll uh, definitely miss being around the girls and the clubs, but... Hopefully uh, the Devils can do well. They've obviously had a few good numbers down at training, I've heard. So uh, I'm sure my spot's easily filled. Well, I might have to have a word with the Devils and see if they can put a bounty on at least getting you back for a game or two. Now, let's talk about Southern Metro Junior Football League. Now, how's that been developing so far, uh, Olivia? I believe there were 14 clubs last year. Yeah, so basically we're trying to grow our number of teams this year. We've changed our age groups uh, to the AFL big guidelines, so under, under 12s, 15s and 18s, and uh, just try and we see it's the best way going forward with our recruiting players and number of teams. So we're aiming for 40 teams this year. At the moment, we're probably sitting at about 32, 31, so still a bit of work to do, but I'm confident, hopefully, that the other, other clubs will get on board and get a few more teams with their players. So, yeah, it's all a bit stopping the air. We won't know until probably a week, week before the season in April um, starting, when we'll, what we'll definitely have. But, yeah, fingers crossed uh, we can get the 40 mark. And for those interested, of course, in playing uh, junior girls footy, uh, we should point out that you also have um, uh, breaks as you go along for the school holidays. Yeah, so there's a couple during the school holidays. There's, I think we've got a bye during one week of the term two holidays. And then, obviously, Queen's birthday as well, we have an interleague. So there's opportunities for girls as well, not only to play in the league at a club, but an opportunity to represent the league as a sort of like a representative team um, against the Yarra Juniors over Queen's birthday. So the opportunities are endless, and there's really great opportunities out there for girls to participate in footy in the, in the league. So hopefully uh, my, my post, uh, promotional poster gets the word out and we can get a few more girls involved. And I, I guess that's the big thing to try and push football in the southern metropolitan region because I, I guess, for example, if you looked at women's football and you looked at the flags, the majority of flags have been from the northern and the western suburbs. Women's footy's been strong at Darabin, Diamond Creek, St Albans, northwestern side of town, where it hasn't really kicked off that well yet in the southern metro region. So I guess the big push is on there. Definitely, and obviously we want to we want to have you know relationships with clubs where after the youth girls, the girls can move up into the girls women's league and have a pathway. So if you're playing in you know the southeast suburbs, there's a club that you can go to, and yeah, that's what we're trying to build. And obviously it's a continued work in progress, but you know hopefully in a few years or this year we can continue to start pushing it and it becomes more of an opportunity for girls to participate. And let's talk about some of those opportunities. First of all, obviously you've got one of the academies in your areas for the youth girls, that being Sandring. Correct. And actually, Laura Kane, who is the current Melbourne Uni president, she actually is, um, looks after that academy and she's coaching our interleague this year, our under-16 girls. So she's a great asset and she'll do really well. So we're really happy with her appointment. So, yeah, it's also knowing who's around and who's interested and Laura's just taking it with both hands and it's really great to have her on board as well. And other opportunities to progress as well is that some of the clubs have uh, aligned with women's, uh, the senior women's sides. I talk about you've got Morty Alec Brayside, and obviously you've got a Morty Alec side in the VWFL. Uh, Ajax have uh, made their debut this year in the women's league, and obviously they've got a youth girls side as well. And uh, the St Kilda Sharks have actually had a partnership with St Kilda City Junior Football Club, and they've obviously got a girl in the uh, side in the youth girls competition as well. Yeah, they do. They've, I think they're having under-15s this year, so that'll be great for them. Um, they're continually growing, but they're hoping to go 
further on maybe next year or the year after. So, yeah, it's continually growing, but again, at the moment, we're still at the time where we've got to keep pushing it to try and get to the 40, but hopefully as the years go on and progress, you know, more clubs will get, be able to get more girls and more clubs and more teams, number of teams in the league as well. It would be great for the the sport too so and also the league itself and now obviously if there's any parents out there that are that are looking to get their girls involved in uh, junior footy uh, what's the best way they can go about it particularly to, to find a club near them Yep, so basically you can go to the website, www.smjfl.com.au, and there's an opportunity where you can um, enter your postcode where you live and it'll list the clubs that are nearest to you. Um, if not, there's actually some information on our website. So, yeah, if you just get onto that, you should be able to um, find out more info. And, but, yeah, clubs are always looking for players, so if anyone's listening that's keen, please get on board. Now, before we let you go, um, you're also the director of umpiring, so no doubt do we need players. We obviously need officials, male or female, to uh, umpire um, junior football. Um, how do people go about that and getting involved? And this is not just being a club umpire. This is actually being an official umpire of the SMJFL. Exactly right. Well, we have about 180-plus games over a weekend, so you can imagine how many umpires in every over need need about 400 plus umpires so obviously recruiting's been a massive massive part of my job so we're getting there slowly we're currently at 327 and what makes us different to the other leagues in terms of the umpiring we actually have our own girls academy umpiring academy so that's coached by a female so they don't feel a bit uncomfortable training with the boys and that just seems to be growing every year which is great for the league as well so again our website facebook social media it's all on there um and my contact details as well so if anyone's interested please go to the website www.smjfl.com.au And we thank Olivia very much for her time and wish her all the best in her roles looking after female football and being the umpire's uh, director there at the Southern Metro Junior Football League. Almost time for us to wrap up. A quick reminder, if you're in Victoria at Witten Oval Sunday, uh, 1.30pm is going to be the draft match. It's an opportunity for uh, footballers from across Victoria and as well, I believe, uh, one from Canada and a couple from New South Wales will be uh, having a run around trying their best in front of the respective uh, representatives of the Western Bulldogs of Melbourne to try and impress them before the AFL Women's Draft in April. So if you've got nothing to do on a Sunday Arvo, pop on down to Witten Oval and check out that draft game in Victoria. Until then, I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for listening and for all your kind comments on Facebook and via Twitter. And I'll catch you again next week with another GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast.